Father in heaven, in the, in the best ways that we know how, we have sought to worship you already this morning. Through the songs that we have sung, through our tithes and offerings that we have given. And Lord, even now, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you might be worshipped, that you might be magnified and lifted high. Father, that in spite of an insufficient servant, you would speak to us from the truth and the perfection of your word. God, we ask, as humbly as we know how, would you add your richest blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. Father, that we might be encouraged and transformed and comforted. Father, that we also might be convicted and challenged. Lord, all of this is possible, not not because of some human's ability or inability to communicate, but because of you, Holy Spirit, moving through your word. So God, would you speak to us now as, as we sit before your throne and listen humbly. We ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to the book of Romans. To the book of Romans. We will be in Romans chapter 12. If you did not bring your own copy of God's Word with you this morning, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew that's there in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, feel free to take that copy that's in the back of the pew in front of you as our gift to you, and we will replenish it before next week, hopefully. Um, Whether you are accessing the Word of the Lord by a print format or digitally on your phone or tablet, or whether you would prefer to follow along on the screen, however you might might be accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. I will read for us from Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. When I have completed reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. If you are grateful for it, I encourage you to respond after that by saying thanks be to God. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually Members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. 
We come to this passage in Romans chapter 12 this morning as a part of our series of what does a growing, healthy disciple of Christ look like? So if you'll remember, last week we studied in depth what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus. We are talking about what it is to believe in Jesus, to become his disciples, and ultimately to build his kingdom. And so the thing that we focused on, the passage we drew our attention to last week, is the great commission that Jesus gives to all of his disciples as he is ascending into heaven. And we focused on the fact that there were many who had done ministry with Jesus for all that time, for three years. They had, t- they had touched his body after he was risen from the dead, and yet they still doubted. But we have to hold firm to our beliefs, even through doubts. Even when life assails us, stand firm and continue to be a part of the gospel. So he tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We looked at this verse. We looked at 19 and 20. And I remember telling you that go is not a command. It is not an imperative. Jesus is not saying go. The only verb, the only imperative is make disciples. That's the command in the Great Commission, to make disciples. The rest of the verbs in that two-verse section are all participles. They're all helping verbs. They're all in your going, as you're baptizing, as you're teaching them to obey, make disciples. And so all of us should be a part of the mission of making disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We make disciples. We make disciples who are committed to the whole gospel. Not just some simple one-time prayer, not just some, hey, I've been to church once, so I must be a believer, but the cost of taking up our cross and following Jesus daily, understanding that it is a lifelong commitment, that once we become disciples, we grow up in the Lord. And so the verse that we looked at to talk about how we grow up in the Lord is the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. As we follow Jesus, there should be more fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. We should be more joyful. We should be more loving. We should be more peaceful and patient, kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. Now, those can be a bit abstract. So the practical outworking of what it looks like for the fruit of the Spirit to be born out in our lives as we continue to grow up in the gospel, as we continue to be followers and lifelong learners after Jesus Christ, we've broken down, following and copying a good pastor friend of mine, Ken Adams, M7. We have seven M words that should be taking place in our lives if we are Christians following Jesus and growing up in him. Today we're going to look at the very first one, but let's go through all seven. We'll go through all seven every Sunday of this series. First and foremost, we are to be members. We are to be members. We are to be magnifiers. We are to be ministers. 
We're to be maturing and growing up in the Lord. We're to be managers of all of our time, our talents, our financial resources. We're to be messengers of this great gospel, of this wonderful good news we've been given. And we are to be multipliers. Ultimately, we are to be making disciples. We should be disciples who then go and make more disciples. So we start off with membership. And and you might think, well, that's an interesting place to start. But I want us to understand All the rest of these M's take place in the context, in the confines of being a member of a local church. There is no context within Scripture. There is nothing in Scripture that supports being a Christian out on your own. If somebody tells you that all I've got to do is read the Bible and pray, and me and Jesus, we make a church, and that's just fine, that's not biblical. Every instance of the gospel being shared in the Bible is founded in and based upon a local church, a community that comes together. But what's interesting is there's not a verse that says thou shalt be a church member. There's not something that's that concise and that's direct. But I'd also remind you the word trinity We understand that our God is a trinity. Our God is three in one. Our God is one God who expresses himself to us in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is no single simple verse in Scripture that says God is a trinity and you should worship him thusly. But we understand that Scripture screams to us that God is one and there is Father, Son, and Spirit. Scripture is telling us from start to finish that our God is a trinity, even though there's not a straightforward verse that just spells it out like that. The same thing is true when we come to church membership. Once you hit the New Testament and Jesus has ascended into heaven all over the New Testament, you find church membership. But there's not like a ninth beatitude where Jesus says, Blessed are the church members, for thou hast joineth a local church. There's not an 11th commandment that says, Thou shalt join this church at this time, in this place, in this way. But we have a God who keeps records. We have a God who keeps up with who is in his flock. We have the church. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple You belong to the universal church. That's everybody who's ever truly believed and been a disciple throughout all of history. But the only way to live out that understanding of being a disciple is to be a part of a local church. Think about in Acts. In Acts, we know that on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, right? And Peter gives this incredible sermon and the Holy Spirit moves through him and all the apostles are speaking and there's flaming tongues of fire and people are hearing in their own language. It's an amazing miracle. And what does it say? It says that about 3,000 were added to their number and baptized that day. If that's not the beginning of a church role, I don't know what is. They kept up with how many people were baptized and how many people were now part of the church. They knew that there were about 120 in the upper room. They knew that there were 3,000. Then they knew about how many were added every time there are more added. They then bring all of their things together and pool all of their resources to help anyone who has any need. 
We see as the story in Acts continues, the leadership comes together. There's leadership in which they elect different people to serve in different ways in the church. There's a need among the serving at the tables. There are people being overlooked. So the church, excuse me, the church comes together and votes and elects the people that become deacons. Everywhere you look, there's a church and church membership. When they send out missionaries, when Paul and Barnabas go out, when Paul and Silas go out, what do they form? They form local communities in the places where they go. And then the rest of the New Testament are letters to those local churches. And, and even in 1 Corinthians, as Paul is writing, he's writing to the 1 Corinthians and they have some trouble. They have a guy who is in a really, really illicit relationship with hopefully his stepmother, but it, it may be worse than that. And they are proud of this. And Paul says, you've got to cast that person out so that the rest of the people of the city of Corinth will know that he is an outsider. He makes a distinguish between those inside the church and those outside the church. Folks, there's, there's no way around when we get saved, we should be part of a local body. Not just as a visitor, not just as a regular attender. It's great to watch sermons online. And ever since COVID, there's been a proliferation of the amount of internet watching of sermons and preaching that any of us can do. But that's not church. It's a great substitute if you have to be out when you're sick. It's a great supplement to what we're doing right here, right now. But church takes place in the context of a local community in relationship with one another. There are things that I know of your lives and that you know of my lives because we are living life together here in this community. And I'm not telling you that you've got to be a member of this church. But I can't tell you how many times people come to me and they tell me, well, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm leaving. And, well, I understand. I'm so sorry that that's happening. Where are you going? Well, I don't even know if I'm going to be involved in church anymore. That's where you've crossed the line. There's another church somewhere. There's another body of believers. There's no context for any of us to just be a Christian out on our own in the world. Even the Ethiopian eunuch, after Philip prophesies and shows him and baptizes, we have historical records that show he goes back and guess what he does in Ethiopia? He starts a church. And the church endures for thousands of years in Ethiopia before the Muslims come and it gets really reduced. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's no context for a single Christian to just say, well, me and Jesus and the Bible, we're just fine on our own. We don't need anybody. That is a lie from the pits of hell. The devil himself is trying to deceive you into thinking that you don't need this church. And you know what? Maybe you have matured way past everybody in this church. Maybe you are a saint among saints. But have you ever thought about the fact that maybe God planted you in the church where you are, such a saint as you are, because the church needs you to help everybody else to get where you are? This passage that we read in Romans chapter 12, we are members one of another, just like a body. For as in one body, verse 4, we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. That means that if you are a part of this local church, 
if you have stood up and said, I want to be counted among the membership here, I'm a part of you and you're a part of me. There's no such thing as a thumb that functions on its own. Do you know what happens if your thumb gets cut off? You put it on ice and you rush to the hospital so they can reattach it. That's the analogy that Paul uses when it comes to the church. That we're a body and that if you think that you as a thumb or a finger or an eyeball can just be ripped out of the body and exist on your own, you're being deceived. You need to be a part of a body. A disciple is a part of a community. There's no way around it. And if you're not plugged in somewhere, if there's not a church that you call home and people that can hold you accountable to the faith that you and I profess, then you are out of a right fellowship with God. There has to be somewhere where we are willing to say, I will submit myself to the authority of this church body. I'm going to connect myself to this body and we will work together and I will be members one of them, one of another. We magnify the Lord together as members. We minister to one another as members. We mature in our faith as disciples of Christ as members. We continue by being messengers as members. Together, going out, spreading the message. We multiply disciples as members. All the fruit of the Spirit is displayed within the membership of the church. The rest of the world looks at us and goes, how can the church function with all these sinful people? Well, it's because God helps us to make peace with one another, to reconcile, to grow up in the Lord together. But what does the world say when we go, I, I don't need a church. Uh, it's just me and God on our own. Then we look no different than any other organization, than any other nonprofit, than any other, I'm going to be a do-gooder. Folks, we should be connected and members of one another. So here's the question that I have. If you are a member of this church, how are you plugged in to this church? If you say, I am a member, are you involved? Are you engaged? Are you contributing? Are you connected? And the last one is, is kind of a passive. And it's more dependent on the rest of the church than it is on you. Are you included? Are you involved? Are you engaged? Are you contributing? Are you connected? Are you included? Do you know we struggle sometimes when we come up to different church events because we have people who are not technically members of our church who are willing to serve and to help for us to have vacation Bible school, for us to have a fall festival, for us to have all these different events and things, especially when it comes to kids, Easter egg hunts and all the like. And our insurance company says that for somebody to be a volunteer at Bethany Baptist Church and for them to cover us, we have a very strict policy where they have to be a member, they have to have had a background check, because that's just the standard in this world these days. You've got to at least do that much. And it puts us hard-pressed, because we have people who are willing to say, I will help out with this event, but I'm not a member. And the very membership of our church 
is so disconnected from one another that we don't have enough volunteers. So we need these people who are not members because they, they have not felt led to join our church yet. And that's not any, any negative towards them. But our membership is, is, is so disconnected from each other that we don't have enough to put on the event. Or people show up at the very last minute. Or, I know that this is the rule of thumb, right? In most organizations, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, right? Do you know what happens here at Bethany? It's more like a 90-10 rule. 90% of the work is done by the same 10% of the people. And those 10%, they get burned out. They get burned out regularly. Are you connected? Are you plugged in? And you might think, well, pastor, I just don't know where to plug in. I don't even know what I could do. I want you to understand God has gifted you specifically with a way that you can serve your church. Even if you're visiting today and you're not a part of this church, God's gifted you that when you go back to your home church, you need to be connected and plugged in there at that church. If you're watching online and you have a home church, God has gifted you to love and serve your home church. That's why he talks about it in Romans. That's why this is our main anchor passage this morning. He says that we have all been given gifts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, which which is kind of like preaching these days, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's several categories of gifts right there. Prophecy, preaching, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy. There's all sorts of different ways that you and I can plug in and help. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul goes on to add healing and he goes on to add administration and evangelism and all these other gifts that we have. But for some reason, we'll use those gifts out in the world and and we won't turn around and, and bless each other with those gifts. You know what I think happens sometimes? I think sometimes we count ourselves out and say we're not really gifted in that area. We look at somebody who's very gifted in that area and we say, ah, I could never do that. There's no way I'm I'm not as good as so and so. Let's take the nursery, for example. There are people in the nursery who I don't know what they have done or what spell they have cast over all these babies. But when they pick up that baby, that baby can be like, ah, they're just happy as a lawyer. As soon as that one person gets them, everything is fine in the world. And so some of us go into the nursery to serve and we're like, you know what, we'll just never be, the kids will just never love us like that. They'll just, they'll just never love us like that. But you forget, you are still gifted with children. You are still very gifted to be in there. We have people in this church who have told me, Nathan, if you put me in the nursery, I don't know that all the kids will make it through that Sunday. So if you can make it through and love the kids and not kill any of them, I think you might be more gifted to serve with children than you realize. Sometimes it's like if we're not LeBron James, if we're not Michael Jordan, if we're not Steph Curry, if we're not the best basketball player, we go, well, I might as well not play. I might as well not be out there. But you don't realize you're so gifted that you've still made it to the NBA. 
One of my favorite players that gets overlooked, all right, it was this really fun thing that happened about 10 or 11 years ago was Brian Scalabrini, all right? Brian Scalabrini played on the Bulls and he played on the Celtics, okay? He had an 11-year career. And if you look up his stats, he is ranked as the 464th best player in the NBA history. 464. He did nothing of merit, nothing of note. His career goals are less than what Kyrie Irving makes in the first half some games, okay? It is an abysmal contribution, but he played 11 years, and he's a fantastic basketball player. Well, he was doing an interview one time, and the people making comments on Facebook as he's doing this interview were absolutely roasting him. We're telling him he's the worst player. There's no reason he should be in the NFL. And they said, we could beat you in one-on-one over and over and over and over again. So Brian got fed up with it. He set up what he called the Scalenge, since his last name was Scalabrini. And he made a way for people to petition to play him one-on-one. And so he played all these grown men in basketball. Now, Brian is 6'9", about 240, and he made it to the NBA, folks. Like, I understand 464th is pretty low down there. I understand he's not notable. But do you understand that nobody scored on him? Out of like 12 games, he only gave up five goals. And some of these guys played college basketball, D1 college basketball, and he put them to absolute shame. He was spectacular on the court. But he wasn't LeBron James. He'll never be remembered as a Michael Jordan. But he was extremely talented. He was so talented he made it to the NBA. And some of you guys and ladies here in this congregation as a part of this church are so incredibly talented. You should be professionals at the gifts that God has given you in your mercy, in your generosity, in your serving, in your administration, in the ways that you are hospitable. Man, there are so many incredible gifts that some of you are fantastic. But you find somebody that's really gifted in that area, and you think, well, I, there's, there's no reason that I could do that. I, I'm just not going to participate because I'm not any good at that. I mean, look at what people that are good at that do. Maybe you're actually a very good teacher, but you've just thought, ah, you know, there's the people up there, they're doing such a good job. I, 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 I don't know the Bible really well. I, I don't know. Well, guess what? When you have the challenge and the responsibility and the burden of teaching the lesson, Guess when you will grow in your knowledge of the Bible and the Lord more than any other time in your life? When you've got to prepare to teach it. You're more talented than you give yourself credit for. You're more gifted than you're giving yourself credit for. And you feel like, well, there's nothing that I can contribute. You can contribute. God has made you special. God has made you with a specific ability to contribute to his church body. Don't be discouraged because you're not an eye and you're an ear. Yes, the eye can see much better than the ear, but the ear can hear much better than the eye, and you need both. Folks, some of us count ourselves out because we feel like we're not good enough or we don't have enough to contribute or somebody else is better than us. I just want us to remember, no matter how good you are, there's always going to be somebody better than you. No matter how bad you are, there's always always going to be somebody worse than you. And you're far more talented and far more gifted and far more special than you probably ever give yourself credit for. 
God made you with a specific purpose in mind. And I don't stand up here when people come to join this church and say, it's not just that you need us as a church, but it's as much that we need you just to say it. I say that because it is true, because it is accurate. This church needs your gifts. This church needs your involvement, your engagement. We have to be a church that is plugged in and connected to one another. We're members of one another. If you rip your fingernail off, how painful is that? It's the same pain that the church experiences if you rip yourself from the body. Don't be disconnected and disengaged, but plug in and be a part. I'm not standing up here and saying this because I need you. I do. But I want you to look around. Take a moment and look around this room. Look at the people to your right. Look at the people to your left. They need you. Trust me, that was going to be a lot more awkward. The original draft, I was going to make you tell each other that you need each other. But I decided to give you a break. You need one another. You're members of one another. God made you special. And one of the worst things that happens in church life is this last one that I mentioned, included. Maybe you are connected. Maybe you are engaged. Maybe you're involved. Maybe you're contributing. But no matter how much you plug in, you don't feel included. And our church has a reputation of not letting people in. Don't mishear me. We'll let people join. We'll let people work. We're really warm to folks in this sanctuary. But many of our most regular attenders, our attendance is still so infrequent that people have been members here for years and come and sat down in my office and said, this is like the fourth week in a row somebody has come up to me and said, hey, are you new here? I'm, I've been a member here for four years. I, no, I'm, I'm not new. I, I love that our church is so warm and so welcoming, but we never let people in past the warm welcome hardly. And, and I'm not making this up. I have had numerous families over these last six years come to me and say, no matter what I do, Pastor, I just am not included. I can't seem to break in. It's almost like there's a certain type of people that fit at Bethany and a certain type of people that don't. And if you're not the right kind of person, if you don't have the right connections, if you don't have the right family members or the right friends, then you can't be a part of this church body. And if that's really still happening at our church, then we should be ashamed. As a church, we should include one another. Let me ask you a question. If you've got a deformed hand and one of your fingers doesn't curl just right, do you just cut it off? If you have an unsightly part of your body, do you just eliminate it from yourself? Or is it just part of who you are? Folks, we are members one of another. The pretty and the handsome, as well as the ugly and the smelly, okay? And everybody in between. The socially awkward and the socially adept. And everybody in between. 
God has made every person for a reason. And He has brought them to our church for a reason. And it is hard, but we have to be actively engaged in including others. If you find yourself running with the same circle of people all the time, look around. Find that person who seems to get left out and invite them along. That might be the gift God gave you to help people feel included in the body when otherwise they never would. And that, those stories about over the last six years, there have been families. I'm not going to tell you how many. But there have been families that have sat down in my office and they've left our church because try as they might, nobody ever let them in. In your Sunday school classes, how do you do it reaching out to outsiders? In your Sunday school classes, are you there enough week in and week out in Sunday school so that you can help people feel involved and included? Or have we given up on Sunday school altogether? Because that's another way people feel left out. Nobody's even there in the Sunday school class. Folks, I, I, I just want us to look at Romans 12. That's, that's what we're called to do. That's who we are. We have gifts. We're called to be members. We are members of one another. It is a truth, whether we like it or not. So if you're a disciple of Christ, are you a member of a church? If you're a disciple of Christ and you're a member of a church, how connected are you? How plugged in are you? How are we doing on including people? By my measure right now, from what I know, I don't think we do the best job at including people. Folks, if you're not a member of any church, we'd love to have you here at Bethany. If you're not a member of any church and you don't feel that Bethany's the place to go, I want to encourage you this morning. Find a church home. You need it more than you even know. If you're a member here at Bethany, are you involved? Are you engaged? Are you connected? Are you included?